What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by Ian Cummings, lead NFL draft analyst here at Pro Football Network. Ian, I know that it is that time of year whenever you and I get to start doing podcasts together. Again, my friend, how are you today? Doing good, man. Doing good. You know, managing the workload that we've got, obviously, you know, heading into January, you got the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl on deck. So those big prospect showcases, a lot of preliminary work that goes into those. But the season is in the rearview mirror. We have all the tape at our disposal. Uh, and this is the best time of year because you can just go back and keep cross cross checking and watching these prospects. And there's so many intriguing names to go through. And, uh, you know, mock drafts is a great tool to kind of explore not just those players, but the fits too with different teams. So I'm excited to be here with you talking that through. Yeah, for sure. This is kicking off the first of the NFL mock draft series that we will have on the YouTube, uh, fantasy YouTube channel here over the next several months here and leading into the NFL draft. And you talked about that, like we're starting to get into it. We have all this information, kind of like the raw data here at the top. And then we get more and more data to kind of fill out these profiles, whether that be the Shrine Bowl, the Senior Bowl, the NFL Combine, and you know what comes out through the media. We're going to have a ton of time here to dig into these prospects, but I thought this would be a fun exercise to get into and take a look at round one NFL mock draft. For this one, we're not doing any trades. We really want to just kind of set the table here, and we still have the final four spots that have yet to be fully determined here as we are recording leading into the conference championship weekend. So let's waste no time. Let's get right into this here, man. We have a very, very interesting conversation here right at the number one overall spot. That is the Chicago Bears drafting for the Carolina Panthers after the infamous Bryce Young trade at uh, last year's draft. So Ian, number one overall, I guess the conversation has to start with, are you taking a quarterback here? And if so, are you shipping Justin Fields off somewhere else? Yeah, you know, if I were making the decision and me and Dalton talked about this on our last mailbag podcast, actually, because the question came up, right? You know, I think it's a very nuanced discussion. The easy solution, get a new QB on a rookie deal, trade Justin Fields. But you could also shop the first overall pick for a lot of capital, too, and maybe insulate Justin Fields with that. Right. So there's a lot of moving parts. Me personally, I would trade Fields. I would take the cheaper QB contract because I think by year two or three with Drake May or, or Caleb Williams, you could be getting comparable or better QB play. You can insulate him with the capital that you get, right? So, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there, right? So now the question turns to who do you pick, right? And for that discussion, you could honestly flip a coin, right? Like every other mock draft that I do, it's been QB 1A and 1B for me the whole way through with May and Williams. But until May gets the same amount of, you know, prestige as a number one overall candidate, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep, you know, kind of, presenting that argument i think may is very much worthy of number one overall pick consideration and that's who i'm going to pick here i think okay. the physical talent and the operational utility that he provides is is top tier i think you know some of the similarities to justin herbert have been well advertised and i think that checks out right i think he's a phenomenal athlete for his size he's got a rocket arm he's got really impressive angle freedom and arm elasticity but he also doesn't rely on that to a fault and that's kind of where the difference with williams checks in because williams is such a magical creator right but sometimes Times, he does kind of create unnecessary chaos that he then has to navigate through so it's a really fun balance a really fun dichotomy with those guys I think they're both worthy of that spot yeah that'll be the conversation going into I mean for the next several months here until we see a decision made by the Chicago Bears and that could go all the way up to draft night is is it going to be Caleb Williams or are you going to go back to the North Carolina well uh, quarterback well here with being burned by Mitchell Trubisky, are you going to go back to Drake May here? We'll see. But obviously, in your opinion, both are worthy of being considered here at number one overall. Let's go to number two overall. That is the Washington Commanders now on the clock here. Obviously, new GM in place. We have yet to find out who that new head coach is going to be. But a very, very intriguing part of this job opening is the fact that they have the number two overall pick. Sam Howell looks to be relegated to a backup role here next year as they are uh, poised to draft a quarterback here. I'm assuming that if Drake May went number one, Caleb Williams is going right off the board here. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? You know, and hey, Jaden Daniels, LSU, I don't want to completely rule him out because he won the Heisman. He had a phenomenal season and he brings a type of creation ability that, you know, no one has. And I think both him and Caleb Williams, you can look at those guys as hyper elite creators in different ways. They're different stylistic players. But Jaden Daniels, man, he had some special reps on tape. So I don't want to rule him out completely. But most mock drafts that I do, whoever I don't take at one of those top two, they're going to go to. And you mentioned Washington. They got the number two overall pick. They also have five picks in the top 100. They got almost 100 million in cap space. There's yeah. a ton of potential energy to really kickstart this rebuild. And I think the first step for you beyond that is getting that QB. And Caleb Williams, to me, you know, I think 
we assumed at the very beginning of the cycle that he'd be in this position and nothing has really changed. You know, he's one of those guys that has that franchise QB upside, the creation ability that he has, the change of direction, the instinctive feel in the heat of the moment, the incredible arm talent, right? Not just the arm strength, but the ability to generate and sustain velocity, even when you're off platform, even when you're kind of, you know, off balance, off kilter, you know, his composure is incredible, right? And we mentioned before, like sometimes he does hold the ball too long and create unnecessary chaos, but you know the necessary processing ability, angle identification, leverage IDing is there, right? So I think everything to be a franchise QB is what you need. And especially with Washington, they have the resources to really insulate him properly early on. You mentioned not only the premium draft capital that they have there with five picks in the top 100, and then, of course, the, I mean, incredible amount of cap space that they have, but Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, receiving weapons already there in town, and Brian Robinson out of the backfield. Like, you have solid weapons here, an offensive line that's not too shabby here. So you have, like, these pieces to be able to build on and then just absolutely attack those weaknesses to build around Caleb Williams. Things are looking up here in Washington. Let's move on here to number three overall. That is the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick feels crazy to say that we are going to be looking at the sideline for New England next year and not see Bill Belichick coaching this team here. But Gerard Mayo has a tough task in front of him to fix this quarterback position. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi have not been the answer here. So do you go Jaden Daniels, the quarterback out of LSU, or do you look at the wide receiver, elite mm-hmm. wide receiver prospect and Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State? I will throw that to you. Where are we going at number three? It's always tough, man, because I look at my big board every time and, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. scored above a 9.5 for me. That's absurd. That almost never happens, right? You look at him combined with Jamar Chase. Like, I think he's an even superior prospect to Jamar Chase. I think, you know, everything that you've heard about him is merited. Everything that you've heard is true. Um, but that said, I can't look at the Patriots situation and put wide receiver before quarterback, especially with this wide receiver class. I think there's a lot of depth to that position. I think you can get a lot of service, serviceable guys in day two, day three. Uh, so I think getting that QB is really important. And Jaden Daniels this year played his way in a QB three conversation. Not just that, but I think being one of those sheer top three guys in the class uh, with, with just the way he can create. Again, you know, I know I use that word a lot for him and Williams. For Daniels, it's a little bit different. He doesn't, he doesn't quite have the play strength. But he's just insanely explosive, agile, the speed, right, in open field, the ability to create space at uh, at the drop of a hat on a dime, right, and send defenders lurching. Uh, he doesn't quite have the arm talent that a May or a Williams has, but he does have enough to work with. And we saw this year, too, you know, just as dangerous as he is as a runner, the deep passing ability, right, the trajectory, the accuracy, the ability to ID those opportunities early on in reps and take advantage. Um, I really think he's very merited here at number three. I think, you know, wide receiver is compelling because Marvin Harrison Jr. is that good. But for the Patriots, needing a QB, you know, needing it that much with Mac Jones, not, you know, kind of playing up to par. uh, I think you've got to go with that first. Yeah, I think unless you can fill a stopgap option there in the veteran quarterback market at number three, I think that you have to be looking at going with one of these young quarterbacks really quick before we move off of Jaden Daniels, because Lamar Jackson is one of one. Right. And we've seen him win an MVP before and seems poised to win another MVP here this year. The comparisons have been made of Jaden Daniels to Lamar Jackson. I at least want to ask you, do you think that those comparisons are warranted? I think from an athleticism standpoint, yes, I do think Lamar Jackson coming out was heavier than Daniels. I think he was a little bit more consistent of a passer in the middle of the field, right? So I think there is a little bit of projection for him to reach that point because Lamar, it wasn't just that physical talent that's made him so special, right? You know, that was what it was to start. But now playing at an MVP level, you can see the kind of control that he plays with with that elite talent, right? It's special. It really is. I don't think Jaden Daniels is quite there yet. And I also think the play strength, the, you know, we're going to have to see if he can withstand taking so many big hits at the NFL level because he he's a fearless player. He really is. He's a fearless competitor, but he took a lot of big hits in college football too. And it, it made you cringe a little bit like, oh, is he going to be able to get out from this one? Right. So I want to see him pack on a little bit more mass before I see him play that freely against faster, more physical NFL athletes. Uh, but I do think from a mobility and creation standpoint, there is something there. We had Dalton on the fantasy podcast last week, two weeks ago, doing just a 2024 NFL draft preview with Trevor Sycamore. Pro Football Focus was an awesome podcast. Make sure to go listen to that one after this one. But he talked about Jaden Daniels and he said the best part about Jaden Daniels is his ability to be able to create his, you know, explosive ability, all that sort of stuff. But he thinks that he's Lamar or that he thinks that he is Josh Allen, right? He thinks that he's the size of Josh Allen. And you got to learn that you're not, buddy. You're not Mm -hmm. six foot four, 240 pounds. We'll see if he can learn that here at the next level. Let's keep moving here. Number four overall 
football. That is the Arizona Cardinals. You could see there's that viral clip of Mont- uh, Monty Austin Fort uh, on the sideline when Arizona kicks the game winning field goal in week 18 to, you know, to, they win the game. And you could just see the look is like, I lost Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you could just see it pass across his face in this mock draft. It did not play out that way. Number four overall, I'm assuming that we are going to go get the Arizona Cardinals an elite playmaker here. Yeah, we keep it simple. Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, just thinking about how special he is, six foot four, 205 elite route runner, elite athlete, right? The explosiveness, the stacking speed, and then the ability to convert the catch point to, you know, simply put, there are very few boxes he doesn't check. One of the few that few knocks that I had heading into the year was maybe not the best rack threat, but then we saw him take those design touches and use his speed to kind of sear up field through zones, right? So I think everything that you need him to do, he can do. He is a generational X receiver prospect, and I don't say that lightly, but watching the tape, I think everything is there to kind of qualify that. Yep, 100% agree here. I think that, you know, I've talked about this, but the separation ability, the ability to win out of the slot for a player that is 6'4", 205, like that is just incredibly, incredibly rare here. So Marvin Harrison Jr., easy top five pick here. He's in the conversation with these quarterbacks for the number one overall selection. That is how talented of a player he is. Let's move to number five overall a year that did not go the way that the Los Angeles Chargers expected, but they've got uh, they've got some building blocks here on this roster. It'll be interesting to see where they go moving forward. At number five overall, what are your thoughts here for the Chargers? Yeah, it's tough. It really is. I think you go a number of different areas. There are a few players on my board that are kind of rated here at positions of need to. That's the thing. The roster, I think, was overrated for a long time. I think they're going to need to do some work to kind of recalibrate there on offense and defense. But I think for Justin Herbert, just kind of securing, solidifying his weapons core, to me, uh, that's going to take priority. I think you look at the weapons that are available here, right? I think Brock Bowers is a common mock draft destination for him. But I look at the receiving core now. I think Quentin Johnson, Johnson was a big learning experience for me coming out because I was really high on the upside there. But maybe I didn't scrutinize the route running nuance and the hand technique enough because he did not translate well enough. And quite frankly, you know, based off of his year one returns, I'm not super confident that he's going to get it right. You know, you want him to, but you don't know. So I think, you know, if you have a versatile three level threat like Malik neighbors here as well, that's very compelling, too. And for this mock draft, just to entertain that, let's go neighbors. Let's go neighbors. I think getting that, especially with the long term futures of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams uncertain, it's not something that's untouchable. Right. And I think looking at what neighbors can do at all three levels, separating uh, the ball tracking ability at the catch point, but then also you know, just being a six foot, 200 pound powder keg of an athlete, right? Who's super physical after the catch, right? Just an absolute, uh, you know, just yardage creator. I love that part of his game. And I think that three level upside giving Justin Herbert a safety blanket and a deep threat all in one uh, could maybe accelerate the rebuild of this weapon score. Yeah, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU, is going to be incredibly fun to watch. It. This is the interesting part, too. Like, Keenan Allen, you mentioned that component there of, I mean, massive cap hit this year. It's, mm-hmm. I think, very unlikely that Keenan Allen is back on this roster here in 2024. So if you could go in the next year and you go with Mike Williams, who will probably be back from his injury, then you've got Quentin Johnston, and he's relegated to that wide receiver three role. Neighbors stepping into that wide receiver two role. I think there's still there's something there with Justin Herbert. Again, mentioned like there there are building blocks, and if you can just add another wide receiver weapon here for the Los Angeles Chargers, things are looking up. Let's go to number six overall. That is the New York Giants here. Obviously, would love to be considering a quarterback, but we've got three of them off the board here already. Where are we going for the Giants at six? Yeah, you know, complacency kills a quarterback. And I think, you know, I don't think Daniel Jones is the answer after what he showed, but they got a lot of cap invested in that, right? So it's going to be tough to transition right away. So I think the best option for the Giants, right? You could go right tackle. Evan Neal did not play up to par. But at the same time, too, I think you have another potential. Here's the thing. Malik Neighbors in any class without MHJ would be wide receiver one. Roma Dunze in any other class without MHJ would be wide receiver one. So I look at that. You've got a wide receiver on the board. And I think for Daniel Jones, if you do want to give him a chance to kind of get back to his ceiling, right? Or if you want to help the next guy that kind of succeeds him, right? Because if Daniel Jones doesn't show it this year, that's when I think you cut your losses officially and get a new guy no matter what. You're going to need more firepower in that receiving core. So I look at Roma Dunze, six foot three, two fifteen, just insane size adjusted flexibility and fluidity, both as a route runner and a rack threat. Um, and then the body control, the patience at the catch point. That's the most impressive thing for me. This guy is always in complete control. You see that comfort, that calmness in his game at the catch point in the heat of the moment that you don't see that often. And he's got that. And on top of that, too, the athletic specimen that he is. I would love to add him as that wide receiver one and hopefully, you know, whoever is at QB helps him out and helps him play a little bit freer. 
that wide receiver core suddenly goes from being very, very lackluster to now you got Odunze, the wide receiver out of Washington. You got him now as your wide receiver one. You move Jalen Hyatt to a deep threat speed option at wide receiver two. Then you got Wandale Robinson out of the slot, Darren Waller. Health will be a major issue and major factor for all of that. But suddenly mm-hmm. that's not a terrible wide receiver core here for Daniel Jones or whoever is the quarterback for 2024 and beyond. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans here at number seven overall. Where are we going here? The Titans are interesting because there are you could go wide receiver. Maybe I, st- I still think there's room to kind of solidify that rotation and a lot of potential long term needs on this roster, you know, even on defense, right? Cornerback, defensive line. Uh, but I look at offensive tackle as a priority because you've got Will Levis, a young QB who did show some promise in his first year. And they hired Brian Callahan as their head coach, yep. uh, who has a lengthy history working with young quarterbacks. So I think it's clear from the jump that they want to see what they've got and they want to make sure they invest as much as they can in Will Levis so that he can play at his peak form. Right. So I think the next step, obviously, he's got a veteran with DeAndre Hopkins, who he has some chemistry with, too. I think that'll help. The next step is solidifying that blocking unit. For me, my OT1 is Joe Alt from Notre Dame. I think at six foot eight, three fifteen, he's actually a former tight end, and you can see that with the way that he plays. He is just an incredible mover, very flexible, very explosive, but also really free and short ranges too. You know, I liken his recovery athleticism to Charles Cross from a couple cycles ago from Mississippi mm-hmm. State. That was one of his top traits. And I think Joe Alt has that too. But at the same time, he improved his play strength, his hand usage in pass protection this past year. And he can use his explosiveness and his length to really pave open lanes in the run game too. So I think however you sw- however you spin it, he's an OT1. And I think for Will Levis, that is the most important thing. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's keep it moving here. Number eight overall, the Atlanta Falcons. Now on the clock here, we do not know who is the head coach here as we are recording this podcast. It looked like it was going to be Bill Belichick. Now things are cooling off a little bit there. We'll see if that ultimately ends up happening. But number eight overall, where the Atlanta Falcons have picked for three straight years. Mm. Uh, Arthur Smith out the door here. Where are we going at number eight overall? I think you got to go quarterback. I think you've got a roster that is almost ready to compete. You could use a few more weapons alongside Drake London, B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts. Obviously, I think corner is going to be a potential need with Ryan Nielsen coming out the door. You've got A.J. Terrell, but you could use some help opposite him. Uh, or in the slot, right? So I think edge as well. But quarterback to me is the top one. Anytime you have a quarterback like J.J. McCarthy on the board, who is young, who is talented. Look, I don't have him graded quite this high, but speaking you know, from experience, young guys who are that talented tend to ascend up the board through the draft process. And looking at the talent that he does have, super athletic, really loose arm talent, and the flashes of anticipation, pocket management, um, and fearlessness as a processor, right? And the competitor are there. So I think... His mentality, along with his talent, is going to win over teams. And for the Falcons in particular, you've got a roster that's almost there. So why not bring a rookie quarterback in, let him grow with it, and open a new window? J.J. McCarthy at number eight overall pairs nicely with potential head coach Jim Harbaugh as well. So I like you. Yep. I uh, like you're calling your shot there. Uh, no, I think with with Atlanta, like the thing is with the quarterback position is just be able to essentially manage the game well, like be able to provide at least that game manager level, maybe a little bit above to be able to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers in Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson and watch this offense take off. You said that this team is almost right there. I think that they're almost right there with featuring the players that they have, which was one of the downfalls of Arthur Smith. Let's go to number nine overall. Hey, the Chicago Bears are back on the clock after taking Drake May, the quarterback out of UNC, at number one overall. Where are we going at number nine? The Bears are interesting. If there was a wide receiver here like Roma Dunze, right, I would love to pair him with Caleb Williams. I still I do like Keon Coleman and Brian Thomas Jr. I do think that they would be worth consideration here. But at the same time, the value of the board, I'm looking at edge as a potential need because you got Montez Sweat via trade. Um, he was an impact player right away. But I think you can get a speed finesse guy opposite him. And I look at Dallas Turner from Alabama. That's what I'm going to go here. I think Dallas Turner, you know, the peak, the top end physical tools are just absurd with him. 6'4", 240, probably over 34-inch levers for arms. The dude is explosive. He is bendy. The way that he can corner while maintaining his speed is incredible. It's eye, it's eye-opening. But then at the same time, too, you don't expect this finesse rusher to you know just attack inside your chest and, and blow you off balance as an offensive tackle. But he can do that, too. He's got a legitimate power element to his game. So I think looking at the evolution of modern defenses, needing guys who are athletic enough to disguise coverages and, and disguise looks, but also attack from any type of alignment or angle, Dallas Turner, to me, fits that description perfectly, even if he needs a little bit more refinement. I love the upside that's there. And I think opposite from a guy like Montez Sweat, who's proven his ability to crunch the pocket, I think yep. that's a perfect, perfect pairing. 
Yeah, if you're you're rarely in the situation if you are an NFL franchise where you have the ability to take two top 10 selections in the same draft, right? So be able to really take the best player available, solve a major need, get younger, get cheaper on the at the quarterback position, and then also be able to take this now this guy as a top 10 pick that you can play as your edge two opposite Montez Sweat as a perfect compliment there. Love that call. Let's go to number 10 overall. The New York Jets are now on the clock here. Obviously hoping that things go a lot better this year with Aaron Rodgers being able to play more than what he did in 2023. So where are we going here for the Jets? Yeah, I think you go wide receiver. You could go wide receiver. I think Garrett Wilson needs a lot of help outside of him. I love Garrett Wilson, but you know you need a unit, a functional unit to thrive at wide receiver. That said, the offensive line was awful all year, right? I think they definitely need to get proper protection, especially if you are going to roll it back with Aaron Rodgers because you don't want what happened in 2022 or 2023 to happen again. Now, granted, it was a freak accident, right? But you got to cover all your bases. you got to make sure that you do everything you can to protect him, right? So I look at the offensive tackle board. I think you have a top 10 prospect available at the tail end of the top 10 in Oldu Fashanu from Penn State. Uh, six foot six, over 320 pounds. Really good flexibility, recovery, athleticism. Again, not quite at alts level, but he is very, very athletic. And I think one thing that Fashanu really separated himself with early in his career was the leverage acquisition, the ability to play with knee bend, but then also maintain synergy and pass protection. A really long physical guy with really good hands, really good play strength and power in his punches. Uh, just a day one impact starter who I think, you know, if he can keep honing away and keep tightening his chest a little bit, because sometimes he does open himself up to power a little bit. But if he can chip away at those little things, uh, you've got the upside to be a Pro Bowl, All-Pro, and the Jets need that more than anything. Well, we talked about Olu Fashanu going into last year's draft. We thought that mm -hmm. he was going to be a top potential top yeah. five selection. He, he would have been my OT1 had he declared last year. Right, and he yeah. ends up returning to school, and always you just have this sort of like, oh, man, this the, your chest tightens a little bit. Like, buddy, don't get injured because you could have just potentially played your way out of the top five going into the next year. Now, not into the top five here in this mock draft, but still a top 10 selection, easy, easy selection here for the New York Jets who desperately need some help on the offensive line. Let's go to number 11 overall, the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously have some really, really solid building blocks in place with Justin Jefferson, with Jordan Addison at the wide receiver position, but quarterback is a big mystery here for this team going into the offseason as Kirk Cousins is set to be a free agent. We'll see what happens here, but in this mock draft, Minnesota Vikings at 11 overall, where are you leaning? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think being at 11 overall, you're kind of out of reach of those top quarterbacks, right? So maybe there is some incentive for the Vikings to, I mean, look at the way Cousins was playing before he got injured this past year. He was playing very well, right? So I look at that, maybe meet him halfway, get an extension done, ride out that window because he is still playing at a pretty high level within this offensive structure. I think, you know, that's what I would do personally, because I don't think I would be super comfortable taking Bo Nix or Michael Penix quite this high, right? And that's the thing. But also at the same time, I think there are some offensive weapons to kind of maximize that window here too, right? So I want to take, this is going to be an interesting pick, but I want to take it to convey the versatility that he has. Brock Bowers, Georgia. Ooh. I'm going to take him here because I think looking at what he can provide to this, this offense, you're like, hey, they got TJ Hawkinson, right? And they do. But Hawkinson, more of an inline guy. He's a big target, right? He's physical. He's going to, you know, command targets, right? But Brock Bowers is not just a tight end. A lot of people think he's just a tight end. You look at that positional label, you get scared, right? You know, why would I take a tight end this high? This guy is a weapon. That simple as that. This guy is a weapon. You play him in the slot. You play him off motions. You play him wherever you want to. And at 6'4", 230, 235, he is athletic enough to separate independently. He is athletic enough to work up the seam, you know, kind of use his speed to open space. You get him the ball on 50-50 opportunities, and he's a legitimate bird of prey. And then he's got that contact balance, that physicality on schemed touches. This dude is a menace. I love what he can provide, and I think, you know, it's a very interesting fit with this offense because you've got Justin Jefferson. He dictates so much tension. You've got Jordan Addison, who's got the speed to kind of elongate defenses and stretch them thin. You've got TJ Hawkinson, who can be that kind of target funnel over the middle. Brock Bowers can be that all-encompassing X factor for you to just fill in the gaps and make plays wherever you need them to. And I think if you want to be creative, I think, you know, that's kind of what he can provide. So I wanted to pick him here just to convey that, right? He's not just a tight end. He's a weapon. And if you know how to use him properly with your weapons that you already have, it can be very beneficial. 
Well, hey, it is already the end of, it's only, excuse me, the end of January. And the descriptions that I have heard for Brock Bowers are that he is a running back in a tight end's body, mm. that he is a wide receiver in a tight end's body. So that just goes to speak to the versatility that he presents here for an offense. And I think at that point now, you look at those four pieces here. Running back remains a question going into next year for the Vikings, but that can be solved later on in this draft here. But I think, man, you look at this offense and whether it is Kirk Cousins or whether you are comfortable going with someone on the free agent market there or you're rolling with Jaron Hall going into next year, like that is an incredible group of weapons there on the offensive side of the ball to help support that offense. Let's go to number 12 overall. The Denver Broncos seem poised to move on from Russell Wilson here this offseason. We'll see what happens here. But number 12 overall, Denver Broncos on the clock. Where are you going? Yep, you could go QB, right? Again, I think it's a little too high for Bo Nix or Penix, so I'm not going with that right here. And it's tough for the Broncos because they don't have a round two pick either. So if they really wanted to, they could. I think it's kind of a tough value proposition for them. But just for the purposes of kind of spanning across different positions here, one need that they really have that I think matches up well with the value of the board is defensive tackle. I think the interior pressure that they got, I think the line was very easy to move all year. I think they could really, they're kind of in a start from scratch kind of situation there. So I think getting my DT1, and a potential top 10 prospect in Jerzon Newton from Illinois uh, is a very good fit here. Jerzon Newton, to me, six foot two, 295, right? He's not going to wow anyone with his measurables, but this dude is just a good football player. And I think, you know, one game that I always harken back to is that Penn State game earlier in the year, breaking down his film and that. This dude is six foot two, 295, and he's stunting outside the tackle and winning with <laughs> ankle flexion in under like four seconds, right? I mean, this dude is an insane athlete, the flexibility, the explosiveness. Uh, and then on top of that too, just within his range, four I, three tech, two I, he's incredibly strong. He's incredibly well leveraged, uh, very good run defender, not just with the strength and his take on power, but the IQ as well. You know, the stack and shed ability and the pursuit ability too. So I think he's a phenomenal football player, a guy that's gonna upgrade your interior defensive line from day one, be a penetrator, be a run defense, you know, spectacular player. Um, for me, there's not a lot of downside here. And I think attacking those knees with blue chip talent is the way to go. Well, you said it, upgrading the interior of that defensive line. I think that has to be a priority here for the Denver Broncos that got absolutely gashed by opposing running games here this past season. Let's go to number 13 overall. That is the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, questions remain here with the quarterback position and what happens here next year. But we know that Antonio Pierce is going to be the head coach going into 2024 and beyond at number 13 overall. Where are you leaning here? Number 13 overall, the Raiders are tough because I think with that coaching change, a lot of positions played a little bit better. I think corner was one in particular where you did start to see improved play. They traded or they signed Jack Jones late in the year and he provided some very good play for them too. So they're going to have a few interesting decisions to make with those one year, those short contracts. Who do we bring back and who do we elevate? Uh, but I think one position you can definitely attack, right? You know, quarterback again, right? Because Aiden O'Connell, he's a good spot starter. I don't think he's the future of that franchise. But you could also go with offensive tackle because whoever you're going to need at quarterback is going to need that protection on the right side. They have Colton Miller on the left, but Jermaine Illuminor is going to be a free agent. You can definitely upgrade that spot. I look at the board right now, and you've got a top 10 right tackle prospect available with Talise Fuaga from Oregon State. So I'm going to take Talise Fuaga. I think, you know, just getting that protection set for whoever plays quarterback in the future is always a very good option and Fuwaga is a blue chip player on my board six foot six 330 pounds he will attack you if you are in space i mean the explosiveness that he has the physicality the power uh, and then as a pass protector too you know i think he's very well leveraged i think he's got great footwork he's got combat combative hands uh, really good take on strength and anchor strength uh, just a overall a very good two-faced player kind of reminded me of Panay Sewell a little bit because he's so athletic so well-rounded uh, and he knows how to manage his weight and his mass and kind of careen into defenders and make the maximum impact possible so I love Talise Fuaga he's one of my favorite players dating back to the summer I loved watching him and he only got better this year so I think you need that lockdown right tackle that's what you get we saw the strength of the Las Vegas Raiders for a couple of years. There was their offensive line. You could point to all five of those positions and say, man, those are some fantastic football players that has taken a little bit of a step back here in recent years. This, this pick makes sense here with Talise Fuaga out of Oregon state at 13. We go from Derek Carr's former team to Derek Carr's current team at the, uh, at number 14 overall with the new Orleans saints here. So saints on the clock here, a few interesting places that they could go as far as team needs, where are you leaning here at 14? Yeah, you know, one that's always intrigued me is wide receiver, right? I think Chris Olave, you got him, right? I think you got Rashid Shahid, who who played very well with his deep threat ability, but 
I still think Michael Thomas, you know, his his long-term situation is pretty uncertain. So I think this is one that you could attack early if you wanted to, especially with, you know, I think it's pretty unrealistic that they move on from Derek Carr this year. You don't know if he's the I answer, agree. but at the same time, why not do everything you can to invest in him and give him an opportunity to succeed, right? So I think maybe one thing that this offense needs is that alpha receiver to dictate attention to free up other guys, but also create on his own within that three-level framework. And the guy that really comes to mind for me when I say all that is Keon Coleman from Florida State. So let's do Keon Coleman from Florida State, uh, six foot four, two fifteen. Uh, transferred over from Michigan State as a Michigan State guy I was a little unhappy about that but hey he needed to do that to kind of maximize his profile and he did it man I mean at Florida yeah. State that big play threat uh, the ability in the red zone was insane I mean I think he had somewhere in the 50s with catches and then he had over 10 touchdowns so that turnover is incredible just in the red zone and that scoring ability but then as a rack threat too you scheme and touches very physical very good contact balance very explosive uh, and then as a separator too i think he's a little underrated in that department i do think he has room to keep refining his game there but you look at the flashes of angle awareness of manipulation it stems with defenders the targeted physicality he's physical but not only that he knows how to use it to kind of pry free, you know, and create space for himself. And then at the catch point, the hands of steel, that's well advertised. Uh, I think he's a three-level weapon for you, and I think he frees up that offense a lot, but also kind of allows Derek Carr to maybe reach his ceiling in that offense. Because right now, I think you need a little bit more, a little bit more reliability and a little bit more from a weapon standpoint to spread out the defense and completely reinvigorate your unit. Yeah, I think you look at Chris Olave and him coming out of Ohio State, I pointed to and said, I don't know if he can ever truly be relied on as an, a wide receiver one or be asked to occupy that role, but can be one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL mm -hmm. operating in that role. In this edition of Keon, Keon Coleman as your ex receiver allows Olave to be utilized and moved all around the field. And then Shahid took a major step forward here this past year, like you mentioned. So that wide receiver core suddenly becomes a very, very interesting unit going into next year. You're committed to Derek Carr. Like at least for this next year, you are committed to Derek Carr. You got to make it work here in Keon Coleman. Some of the highlight reel catches that he can make are absolutely jaw dropping. Let's mm -hmm. go to 15 overall here. The Indianapolis Colts. They've got their quarterback of the future in Anthony Richardson. Obviously, we didn't get to see as much of Richardson as we wanted to here this past year before he left with that injury, that season ending injury. But they've got the quarterback in place. So now they can build around him at 15 where you lean in here. You could go wide receiver again. I feel like I've said that for like every team so far, man. It's one of those classes, but also one of those situations for teams needing that density at the position. I'm not going to go wide receiver here. I'm going to go corner. I think their cornerback position could definitely stand to improve. You got a lot of young talent there, but I don't think anything precludes you from taking the top corner on the board. A top 10 prospect for me that is Alabama's Terry and Arnold. When he began this year, Terry and Arnold definitely had a lot of room to improve. You could tell he was a young player. He was still kind of feeling out the game. By season's end, he was a lockdown defender in both phases of the game. I mean, the athleticism that he has at around six foot, 195, uh, super high energy, high octane player, really twitchy, fluid, explosive. But then on top of that elite, elite athletic foundation, phenomenal processor, right? The reaction speed on breaks is incredible. The run support ability, he is combative in every phase of the game to the fullest. And I love that about corners. I, I love having that, you know, combative, chippy mentality. Um, he's always going to be exhaustive and making the, you know, the fullest impact you can on a play. Uh, he's got great playmaking ability, the ball skills, uh, the tackling ability. I mean, for me, just there's really very few areas that you can poke holes in his game at all. And I think when he, when I graded him and ran through his grade, I'm like, this guy is not just a CB1 candidate. He is CB1, and it's it's not super close. So if you can get that guy here for the Colts and he can play the slot, the boundary, um, I think he really is kind of that all-encompassing chess piece for your secondary, and that can allow your other young players to develop at a quicker pace as well. Yeah, we saw the Indianapolis Colts obviously be a fantastic defensive unit with Matt Eberflus as a defensive coordinator there. Then he moves on to Chicago, and that defense kind of takes a little bit of a step back. Still a good unit, but not one that was performing as well as it was. This is a major step to allow them to get back to that. Tyrion Arnold, the cornerback out of Alabama here at 15 overall. Seattle Seahawks. A team that another team that is currently in flux and trying to figure out what the future holds for them as Pete Carroll moves up the organization, not the head coach here anymore. Seattle Seahawks at 16 overall. Where are you going here? Yeah, this one's pretty simple for me. A fit that I like a lot is Graham Barton, offensive lineman from Duke. He can play guard or center, and all of their guards and centers are free agents. Their top two starting guards and their center. Uh, so I think a reasonable situation is to you know get the guy who can play all three spots and just put him where he fits best, where you want him to, or where he aligns with your other acquisitions. But he's 
explosive, athletic, tenacious, uh, really flexible for his size at 6'5", uh, 3'13", uh, very powerful as a player, really good at driving power with his explosiveness and his frame. Uh, and then in pass protection too, you know, he's very good at, at acquiring and maintaining leverage in his pad level. And he's got really good independent hand usage. I think he's just a phenomenal football player. And he's got that five position versatility, which for the Seahawks in particular, I think you're okay paying that mid first round premium to get that kind of player. Yeah, that's the difference. If you're paying for someone who is purely an interior offensive lineman, 16 overall is pretty rich. They've got to be that, you know, Quentin Nelson type prospect from years past where they spent uh, number eight overall on him uh, or number six overall. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like looking at he's got to be that level for 16 overall. You could see that interior offensive lineman that can seem a little rich, but that versatility, especially with the offensive tackles that Seattle already has in town. Pretty solid selection here with Graham Barton. Let's go 17 overall. Jacksonville Jaguars now on the clock here. Wide receiver is an interesting one to figure out here. Calvin Ridley is uh, another team that we're talking about. Hey, they could use a wide receiver. Uh, Calvin Ridley set to be a free agent. We could see if they re-sign him here, but that's going to cost them some draft compensation here. We talked about that on a recent podcast here, but Cal, uh, it's Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk is the only other wide receiver in town here this next year. Are you leaning wide receiver here for the Jags or a different position? You could go a few options here. You could go defensive tackle. You could go corner because they got Ryan Nielsen. I think they're going to kind of need a, an overhaul in that CB room, more man coverage guys. But I think there's enough depth, depth there that I'm going to pass on that. I am going to take a wide receiver. I'm going to take Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, uh, the breakout that he had this year. Some people will want more uh, you know, kind of guaranteed ability as a route runner. But I, I think his route tree, you can still expand that a little bit. That said, me personally, I've always been someone who's comfortable with a little bit of projection if you see the necessary route running building blocks. And yep. what is a building block, right? Obviously, the explosiveness, the thr but throttle control as well, sinking ability, change of direction, the ability to press upfield up into stems and take advantage of that leverage, uh, and then kind of manipulate defensive backs into going too far upfield and giving up space, right? I think Brian Thomas Jr. has shown all of that. He's an incredibly explosive athlete, kind of like a gazelle at 6'4", 205. Uh, he's got the speed to stack downfield, and then his instincts, his ball tracking ability, that's all top tier. And then you can scheme and touches as a rack threat, too. I don't think they used him as much as neighbors in that role. But when they did, he did have the speed to kind of use that lateral plane to his advantage. So I think getting a guy, you know, we, we use this term dictate attention from the defense, right? But Christian Kirk needs that kind of guy in the boundary. And I think Brian Thomas Jr. can be that player while also creating big plays on his own. I completely agree with you where I'm fine with projection and and asking a receiver to expand their route tree when they get into the NFL because we don't know what these playbooks are. We don't know we don't have the play sheet right in front of us as we are watching film on these players, right? We don't have that necessarily in front of us to know what fully they're asked to do. And you can often with college football offenses, you can see that they are limiting their wide receivers and they're saying you are running this to be able to open up attention for another receiver or you are simply limiting to these these four routes because this is what the offense truly is. It's not an expansive route tree. So then a lot of talent evaluators will hold that against a player. They'll say, well, they only ran four routes in college. It's like, well, they weren't asked to do more than that. You have to figure out if it's because that was part of the offense or they didn't have the ability to do that. So when you're watching these players, you mentioned the throttle control, the ability to sink your hips, the fluidity. Those are things that will lend yourself to, for you be, to be able to run different types of routes eventually down the line. You just need to be able to be asked to do it and taught to do it. Mm -hmm. So I like that you mentioned that here. Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. The touchdown production here this past year was absolutely ridiculous for him at LSU. We've obviously got Jaden Daniels off the board, Malik Neighbors, and now Brian Thomas Jr. off the board as well, part of that LSU offense. Let's go Cincinnati Bengals here at 18 overall. Zach Taylor still remains as the head coach, but looking for a new offensive coordinator with Brian Callahan. Now to Tennessee, where are we going at 18 overall? You could go wide receiver. Again, God, I, I've said that like 12 <laughs> times. Man, Best uh, but I think, you know, if I had to, you know, kind of predict, maybe I think they have the opportunity to tag T. Higgins. Maybe that's something they do to keep him in-house in yeah. for a little bit. But I, I look at the trenches. I think they have room to upgrade on both sides of the ball. And for me, you could go right tackle, but I do that a lot for them. So for the purposes of, you know, mixing things up a bit, kind of acknowledging different possibilities, we're going to go with defensive tackle. We're going to go with Byron Murphy, the second from Texas. This is my defensive tackle two behind Jerzon Newton, a uh, top 25 prospect for me, six foot one, 308 pounds. The dude is just a wrecking ball. He is 308 pounds of carnage on the interior, uh, explosive, agile, super twitchy, uh, really torqued up. It's one thing that I really like. He can, you know, ro that rotational freedom. You don't always think about that, but as a defensive tackle, using that rotational freedom to channel power on your punches and your moves, he's got that for sure. He's very strong in the run game. 
Uh, I think, you know, Grady Jarrett is not a bad top end comp for him. If he can reach that ceiling, super strong against the run with his leverage and, and his mass and his density. But then at the same time, too, the explosiveness and the power drive as a pass rusher, right? And the motor uh, coming downhill. He's got all of that. So I think Byron Murphy, the second, you look at their defensive line, DJ Reader is going to be a free agent. Now, Murphy's not a nose tackle. But even beyond nose tackle, they need guys who can disrupt. And I think Byron Murphy II can do that from multiple alignments. So that's why I'm going to take him here. Pairing Byron Murphy Jr. alongside those edge, rush, edge rushers that they have, too, would be a scary, scary sight mm-hmm. to see if you're opposing offense. Los Angeles Rams here picking at 19. Going into the year, if you had told me that the Los Angeles Rams would be picking 19, I would have called you crazy. I did not expect this productive of a season for the Rams in what was supposed to be a retooling, rebuilding year, however you want to classify it. But... Matthew Stafford, man, turned on the magic here at the end of the year. Seems poised to be the starting quarterback here for at least the foreseeable future. At 19 overall, where are you leaning for the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, you know, they kind of exceeded expectations and accelerated their rebuild. I think offensively, they have most of the pieces they need. I think the offensive line, they kind of coached that unit up too. So I don't know if they have too many glaring needs there. Uh, defensively, I think two things that you really need. You need a lockdown CB1 and you need more in the pass rushing phase and the edge rusher position. So I'm going to go edge here. I'm going to take UCLA's Liatu Latu. He's actually staying in Los Angeles, which is nice. You don't have to move anywhere. Uh, but the way that he plays the game, man, is so fun. You know, I think he had 13 sacks and 21 tackles for loss this past year. So incredibly productive player. Um, but he's explosive, twitchy. The medicals will be a concern for some. But looking at how he wins, right? I think of the edge rushers in this class, he has the deepest pass rushing bag i think his arsenal of handy hand moves the way that he can stack counters on top of one another right he's super adaptable which is something that goes overlooked a little bit but it's a good thing to have and then on top of that not just the hand usage but this dude is bendy at six foot five 265 he has elite bend capacity ankle flexion to get underneath the corner and finish plays and that's something that you don't take for granted either because that flexibility can be the difference in making those sacks. So Latu Latu, I think a game-changing edge presence from day one, and he in turn allows your coverage to play a little bit more aggressive too. So I really like that. Latu, the thing that I've heard with him time and time again, whether from yourself or from other places that I've you know, started to dip my toes into the scouting water has been that hand usage, the pass rushing arsenal that he brings to the table is absolutely incredible. Pairing him with Aaron Donald, who is arguably the best player in that capacity to ever do that, uh, to be able to just continue to learn and refine that I, is an excellent pairing here. Uh, Latu out of UCLA going at 19 overall. Pittsburgh Steelers here at number 20. Mike Tomlin does it again. They get into the postseason, have a winning record here, but they've got massive of questions at quarterback here we've got two quarterbacks still on the board here with michael Penix jr out of washington bo Nix out of oregon do they are they in consideration here for you at number 20 overall they would be if i'm if i'm the one but the way that the tomlin has talked about it right he's kind of said that Pickett is going to be the guy but we're going to get him competition right so i think that's probably the the, the avenue that they take would i do that bo Nix and michael Penix both graded as prospects considerably considerably higher for me than Pickett. And I think Pickett hasn't shown enough to keep that. So I would go QB here. I don't think they're going to. And I think with a right tackle like J.C. Latham on the board from Alabama, I think that's what they go. Because J.C. Latham is another guy who's a fringe blue chip prospect on my board. Uh, I think right right away on day one, six foot six, three 360 pounds. This dude is... Yeah, I know. Like, he, I don't know if you played Pokemon back in the day, but Blastoise or whatever. Like, he looks like that. You know, he's he's Blastoise, man. He's got that frame density. The size is absurd. Super explosive, powerful, a road grader in the run game, but actually pretty balanced on his pass sets too. So I really like that part of his game. But I think the really important thing here is you've got Broderick Jones, first rounder from yeah. last year, who played right tackle. I think you move him to left tackle where he's a little bit more natural. That could have a trickle down effect for the rest of your unit. So I think getting both of those tackles in place. I don't think they should, you know, stick with Kenny Pickett. I think it's better to cut your losses early. But if you are going to stick with him, give him the support that he needs to potentially reach a ceiling, right? I don't think he's going to. I think ultimately they're going to move on. But this move allows you to see it through at least, I think. As you were talking about Latham there, the entire time I was like, man, him and Broderick Jones on the same offensive line is just going to move people in the run game. Miami Dolphins here at 21 overall, obviously falling short of where they ultimately wanted to be. I I mean, you can highlight anyone that can run a 4-3 and be like, yeah, they'd be a good fit for the Miami Dolphins here. But where are we going for the Dolphins? Yeah, man, I would love to get a wide receiver three for this offense. That's not round one, though. We're not going to do that here. Uh, Xavier Worthy or Malachi Corley, if you can get them, would be incredible, right? Like, that's insane. But here, I'm going to go with offensive line because Connor Williams is... 
he got injured, right? He's I don't know if he's going to be back. He's a free agent. I think getting a center is pretty big for this run scheme in particular. You know, you look at the the versatility that you need, your gap schemes, zone schemes. You need someone who can do a little bit of everything, kind of keep that unit on schedule. And I think a guy that really stands out to me as a really good fit, this is actually a fit I made in my mock draft. So I feel bad. I'm being redundant. But when a fit is this good, it's kind of hard to ignore. Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon, uh, this center, he's 21 years old. And he's already my top center in this class. He's athletic. He's flexible. 6'3", 320. So really good size, but he wears it very well. A really good mover. Very good awareness as a run blocker. Uh, he's physical. He's really good in space. But then in pass protection, too, he's alert. Really good hand usage. The torque that he has is very solid. Um, I think there's not already. He's pretty, you know, advanced for his age, right? So I think looking at that, you can insert him into the starting lineup right away. Very good run blocker, very good pass blocker. And I think, you know, center gets overlooked sometimes. But if you have a valuable prospect like this, um, getting that stability is big, especially for Tua, who you want him to have the resources he needs to succeed next year. Absolutely. Okay, number 22 overall. If you really wanted to get people a little bit uh, upset here, tick off Eagles fans, you could go with a Bo Nix uh, draft pick. and But we're not going to do that. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles here at number 22 overall. Where are you going, Ian? I'm going to go with cornerback. Right. James Bradbury definitely fell off the cliff hard. It's coming for Darius Slay, too. You got to get young town at corner. And there's a really good player sitting right here for us. Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama. Let's just take him here. Six foot one, one ninety five. A really good zone and man corner. He's pretty versatile. I like his ability in both phases. He's got really good ball skills, uh, but he's very fluid for his size. And the thing that I love about his game the most is probably the foot speed, the corrective mobility and press man and off man, and then his feel for spacing. He does not give receivers an inch, and he will swarm them at the catch point. Uh, so I love that physicality too, and he's a very savvy player in run support. So just a really solid player. I think if he's here, phenomenal value, and he upgrades that position on day one. Yeah, you have to look at secondary here for the Philadelphia Eagles, knowing what they did here and what they allowed opposing offenses to do throughout the 2023 season. Let's keep it moving here. Houston Texans at number 23 overall. Again, another team that if you told me that they'd be picking at 23 overall, I would have called you absolutely insane. But Mm. CJ Stroud here, incredible year. This offense just has building block upon building block. So where are we going here? Offense or defense for the Houston Texans? I would go offense. I don't love the value at wide receiver. I think there's enough that maybe I'll wait for that in a later round. So I'm going to go defense, actually. Uh, Steven Nelson is going to be a free agent. You got Derek Stingley at corner, who's very good. And you got a few options at safety. I think Jalen Petrie is a very good player. But I do think there's room to kind of get that chess piece on the back end. And I look at a player like Cooper DeJean from Iowa. Really fits that description for me. So I'm going to go with Cooper DeJean real quick. Six foot one, 209. He's a really good off man and zone corner. He's got very good IQ, recognition ability, closing speed, ball skills. But, you know, at that size, he can play safety too if you need him to. He can play in support. He can attack blocks. He can deconstruct, make plays behind the line of scrimmage. So I think for the Houston Texans, if you want a guy who can play safety, the slot or the boundary if you need him to, Cooper DeJean for me really checks that box and I think you need a couple more pieces in the secondary and the rush unit before you can take that defense to that elite level I think Dijon helps accelerate that an absolute athlete coming out of uh, the University of Iowa who would have seen that coming here Uh, Dallas Cowboys at 24 overall again another team that fell short of expectations here yet again what can this team do to get over the hump 24 overall Dallas Cowboys where are you going it's tough because, you know, this team was ready to win. And now you've got a few big time veterans potentially leaving Tyron Smith at tackle being the most prevalent one. I think if you want to compete, you can't let that hole fester for too long. you got to get an offensive tackle. I look at Amarius Mims from Georgia. There's going to be a little bit of a, run- of a runway for him developmentally because he's a little bit raw. But he can play the left side or the right side. He's very physical, very athletic. Uh, the power drive and the run game is very impressive. But I think right now, you know, compared with Roger Jones, the start of last year's cycle, I think Mims is a little bit better at acquiring and maintaining leverage through reps. So I'm going to go with the Marius Mims from Georgia. I think a very, very good investment to make for a team that has some uncertainty in the trenches coming up. All right. Green Bay Packers at 25 overall, a team that is the arrow is pointing straight up here after hitting on the quarterback prospect Jordan Love uh, to lead this team moving forward at 25 overall. Where are you thinking? Yeah, they made a change to defensive coordinator. I think defense is yep. what we po- point to here. You could go offensive line, uh, but I think they go defense. I think there's enough depth in the line. Uh, for me, Nate Wiggins from Clemson is one that's kind of stood out to me here. I think they traded Rasul Douglas. They have Jair Alexander. They have Carrington Valentine, who played pretty well as a rookie, but you need that guy in the boundary who I think can elevate the unit. Nate Wiggins, to me, six foot two, 
really a little lean a little lanky lighter than you'd prefer but he has a, a lot of speed he has a lot of fluidity really good playmaker at the catch point very good hustle and pursuit and the route iq the identification ability the ability to jump in front of routes and make plays uh, I think that dynamic ability as a playmaker beyond just the coverage utility is what really sells me on him. So a little bit lighter, but he's got length and he's got speed. And we know the Packers love those two things. All right. Nate Wiggins, cornerback out of Clemson there at 25 overall to the Green Bay Packers. 26 overall, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have some key free agent decisions to make, not just with Baker Mayfield, who played this year on a one-year $4 million deal, but Mike Evans, another big name here heading towards the open market. We'll see if they're able to bring both of them back, but then also some key names on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I feel like, I say all that to say, I feel like the team needs for Tampa Bay are going to be shifting and changing all throughout the next several months here as we get clarity on those situations. But right now, as we sit here at the end of January, where are you leaning for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, I think they bring Baker back just because of how he won over that locker room, right? I mean, I think he played well enough. You want to see that through. Would I be super keen on that because he's not the top end physical talent? No, but I think that's what they do. I think for me, one thing that really needs to be addressed is edge. I think edge rushing because Shaq Barrett might be a cut candidate. Uh, Joe, Joe Tryon Shoyinka has not quite developed to the level they wanted. Yaya Diaby in his rookie year was a very good, I think, change of pace rusher. But is he that top guy? I don't know. I think right. you need that top guy. And for me, Jared Verse from Florida State has that speed to power element that I want. I think he's got some of the best speed to power in this class. But he's also a tenacious, you know, technician with his hands. Very good in run defense. Very explosive. Doesn't quite have that elite bend capacity. That's the one knock for me. But I think this guy is kind of like, you know, a destructive force, man. I mean, with his hands, he's very proficient at deconstructing blocks, breaking through the line and making plays behind the line of scrimmage. So Jared Verse for me uh, is a really good value at a big position of need. We talked about another player like Olu Fashana. We talked about Jared Verse going into the last year's draft, and then he ultimately ended up returning. Uh, seemed to be poised to be a top 10 selection in last year's draft. Now you get him at a little bit of a discount here at 26 overall. A fantastic edge rusher here out of Florida State. Stays in the state of Florida. 27 overall. Arizona Cardinals back on the clock here after going with Marvin Harrison Jr. at four overall. So they got the wide receiver. They addressed offense. Where are you going here at 27? I'm going to go with, it's tough. They have a few needs on both sides of the ball, obviously. I think one that gets overlooked is offensive line. I think uh, DJ Humphreys doesn't have a super secure long-term future. They have needs at guard. So I'm going to take a prospect who can play both positions if you need him to. Troy Fatanu from Washington is my pick. I think he's a very solid player. Six foot four. 317, over 34-inch arms. So the frame is there. Really kind of a build offensive lineman if you want. Uh, very athletic, very good recovery capacity, really good hand usage and pass protection, really physical, powerful in, in the running game. I know he had some highlight blocks uh, during Washington's playoff run because he is so athletic and so powerful, but also just a sound player at both spots. He's got experience at guard and tackle, and you play him at either spot. I think Paris Johnson Jr., Really played well at right tackle. Now it's time to solidify the line across from him, too, because if you're going to invest in Kyler Murray, if you're going to stick with him, get him that protection, let him play comfortable. Yeah, well, we saw the previous regime completely forsake the offensive line throughout the NFL draft just time and time again and just kind of piece it together. Uh, this is a different regime here. You're seeing Paris Johnson Jr. with a you know premium selection last year. You go back to that well here with a you know a, a additional selection that you have. You got the wide receiver continue to invest in that offensive line. Buffalo Bills at 28 overall, now on the clock. Obviously heartbreaking. I, I, yeah. I was watching that game and just an absolutely supreme game to watch here and see take place between the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Seem like they are right on the edge of finally getting past their kryptonite in the playoffs. They cannot do it. They're going to go back to the draft here this year and see what is the missing piece to help them get over that hump. What's the answer here, Ian, at 28 overall? Where did the Bills go? You need more wide receiver help, man. I mean, Stephon Diggs, I, Stephon Diggs, I love him as much as the next man, but kind of disappeared in the playoffs. You're a little worried. He's 30, 30 years old now, doesn't have a ton of help. Gabe Davis might be leaving. I think you got to get a wide receiver. And one guy that I really like is Jalen Polk from Washington. This might be a bit high from consensus boards, but he graded very high for me. He graded as a top 32 player. Uh, six foot two, 205, really fluid athlete, very explosive athlete. I think some of the ways that he wins – is not dissimilar from Puka Nakua. I think you look at a guy who is super alignment versatile. You can play him in the movement Z out of the slot, off motion, 
uh, very flexible as a route runner. And then at the catch point, too, he has some of the best hands in the entire class. The coordination, the catching instincts, the hand strength through contact, right? I mean, some of the imbalanced catches that he was making, fingertip grabs, and he's still hanging on to it through contact against the ground. I think Jalen Polk is one of the most reliable versatile receivers in this class, and he has enough athletic talent to warrant this kind of selection, too. So I think a glue guy, maybe not wide receiver one, but a guy who you can rely on from day one is a very, very good weapon in a target funnel, I think. I think it just goes to, you know, the point that we were talking about on a previous podcast of this upcoming draft, the wide receiver class is truly special. And you, I mean, people who have listened up to this point know how many wide receivers we have selected in this draft already here in the first round. Absolutely ridiculous here. Uh, another team that could use a wide receiver here. You got some fantastic production out of Rasheed Rice in his rookie season, but Outside of that, you had Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore yep. and Marcus Valdez-Scantlin dropping passes left, right, and center. So at 29 overall is wide receiver in consideration here for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not just in, in consideration. It's what we're doing. Um, we're going to go with A.D. Mitchell from Texas. Uh, I love the fit here. This was what sold me on this because Rasheed Rice, you saw how they utilized him. A lot of short passes, a lot of drag yep. routes, a lot of just getting that rack element activated from him. I think they can free him up to do even more with an X receiver who can threaten defense is a little bit farther down the field. I think A.D. Mitchell, you look at how he separates and runs routes for being six foot four, 195, super flexible like Gumby. I mean, this dude bends like like insane levels for his size, but also a very nuanced route runner with what we talked about earlier, that throttle control, that those manipulative tendencies, and he's got very good hand strength and coordination at the catch point. He's not as versatile as you would like, but as the X receiver, I think a very, very solid player who I think not only produces on his own, but I think is exactly the component that Rasheed Rice needs to make to reach his next level as a playmaker. All right, let's keep it moving here. 30 overall, the Detroit Lions. Obviously, these final four teams, the placements will change, uh, most likely will change here as we go into conference championship weekend. These are just projections here, but 30 overall, Detroit Lions, where are we going here? I have a strong feeling that secondary needs yeah. to be in consideration here based on the amount of passing yards that this team has allowed over the past several games. Yeah, I mean, God, I hate to rag on the guy, but you look at Cam Sutton against Mike Evans and you can't, it's got to be addressed. It's got to be yep. addressed. You need a top end talent at CB. And uh, I think one guy here, one thing that you saw them, especially against Mike Evans, but against a lot of receivers, being able to play the ball at the catch point, right? You can get in proper positioning, but if you can't play the ball, if you can't find it and be physical and, and exhaustive, uh, you're not going to win that rep. And I think Quinion Mitchell from Toledo is who I look at as a guy who can really fill that need. Six foot, around 200. Not to mention he's got elite recovery speed. He'll probably run in the four threes. Uh, he had six interceptions and I think over 40 pass deflections in his college career. But that that's kind of representative of this is a playmaker who has the ball skills, but also plays the ball through the entirety of the catch point. He's always in position, and when he's in position, he takes advantage, right? So I think the Lions could definitely use a playmaker like that who can kind of turn those contested throws into incompletions because they weren't always able to do that. All right, final two selections here of the draft. San Francisco 49ers at 31 overall. A team that, I mean, you look at them and on paper, not a ton of needs here. They've got the quarterback on one of the cheapest contracts in the entire NFL with Brock Purdy. But where are you leaning here for the San Francisco 49ers in the first round? I think tackle is a big need. I think, you know, not a super big need because you got Trent Williams still, but right tackle, I think you can upgrade there. I think Williams is getting older. You need to plan for his succession. So I think getting one of those tackle spots locked down is really good. And I think a guy that stands out to me for his upside, he's not quite this high on my board, but I can understand why he'd be taken here. And I am taking him here is Oklahoma offensive tackle Tyler Guyton. I think Tyler Guyton Six foot seven, over 320 pounds, elite length, very explosive, very, very free flowing as an athlete, but he's super flexible too. I mean, I think that flexibility allows him to recover quickly, allows him to kind of maintain leverage through reps. He's got to improve his run blocking ability. Sometimes he drifts a little bit too high with his pad level, which at six, seven, you kind of expect it, right? It's going to be right. something that kind of comes along. But I think the upside is there, and he's a natural right tackle too, so you can slot him in across from Trent Williams in the immediate timeline and maybe move him over down the road if you need to. Uh, I like the upside. I like the investment, and I think it's definitely worth it at 31. All right, at 32 to round out the draft here, Baltimore Ravens. Where are you leaning here for the Ravens? Let's have some fun. Let's go with Texas wide receiver Xavier Worthy. I mean, Ooh. when he runs, I think it's very likely that – he's going to keep rising up boards again i'm a big fan of his i know he's kind of a size outlier 6'1 probably in the 170s maybe 160s when he weighs in but one thing that i really like if you have that hyper elite deep speed right not just that but he knows how to weaponize it as a route runner and to me 
that is a very valuable thing. He knows because defensive backs are scared. They are frightened when he goes up against them, right? You can tell they're giving him a ton of cushion. They're drifting upfield very easily. It doesn't take much. So he knows how to press it into stems like that and then use his flexibility, his stopping ability, that throttle control again to take advantage of that and create space for himself. And I think the focus drops are a bit of a concern sometimes. But to me, it's more of a focus issue than a hand technique issue. So I'm a little bit more uh, reassured that maybe he can kind of chip away that, fix that down the line. Because the ball tracking down the field on those deep passes is not an issue for him. He's very good at that. So Xavier Worthy, the ways that you can utilize him as a motion man too and a rack threat with Zay Flowers, man. Yep. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So I think Todd <laughs> Monken would love having that weaponry. That would be a fantastic duo at wide receiver with Zay Flowers, Xavier Worthy, two players that you have now locked up for the next four years playing together. And then you got Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. You're able to utilize more two tight end sets. Who knows what happens with Odell Beckham Jr. going into next year as well. But man, that pairing there is just going to be a ton of fun, would be a ton of fun Mm -hmm. to see play out. All right, there is all 32 picks. If you want to see the mock draft, obviously you can go over to youtube.com slash PFN fantasy. You can see the full results there as we run through everything. But Ian, I want to thank you, man, for taking some time out your day come on run through a mock draft here on the pfn fantasy football podcast why don't you let people know where they can find and follow you on social media and then what you have going on here over at pfn scouting that people need to know about yes you can follow me at ic underscore draft on twitter or x as it's now called feel free to hit me up with any draft questions if you have them we're going to be doing shrine bowl and senior bowl content in the next couple weeks right and then we're going to be doing more scouting reports after that more positional updates me and dalton miller have a podcast every week and we'll be talking on that too so uh just feel free to kind of tag along with that and as i mentioned at ic underscore draft on twitter any questions that you have feel free to hit me up i will always be uh, responsive or try to be All right, that is it here for the NFL Mock Draft 1.0. As I mentioned, a ton more coming your way here as we move throughout the rest of the offseason, so do not go anywhere. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the bell to get notified for when our new content drops over at youtube.com slash PFN Fantasy. All right, that'll do it. For Ian Cummings, I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.